Blog Talk Radio. And good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. <clears throat> Excuse me, this is your host and your guys guy, Robert Manny, broadcasting live from our Guys Guys studios in Harlem, USA, welcoming you to the show. We've got a fantastic show. It is Wednesday, April 15th, also known as Tax Day. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But our special guest this evening is Dean Slider, and he is a Zen practitioner and the author of a book we're going to talk about tonight called Natural Meditation, A Guide to Effortless Effortless Meditative Practice. So we're anxious to, we're eager to get him on here. We're not anxious, we're eager. And uh, I meditate every day, so I'm very interested in hearing what Dean has to say because he has so many years of experience in meditation and there's so many ways to meditate. And I went through the book and I really like the approach because I think Anyone can find a way to add the art of meditation into their lifestyle by using Dean's book, and we'll have him come on in a few moments. Um, let's talk a little bit about what's going on. As I mentioned, it's tax day today, and I got some good news. I already got one of my refunds back, so I'm very pleased about that, a state refund. And, uh, you know, it's nice to, you know, you got to pay up, but you got to get paid. You get paid back, too, if you do your taxes the right way. Uh, and uh, know how to work the system in a fair and legal manner. So uh, this is the day, though. It's get it in and uh, see what happens. And I wish you all the best with that. But get your get your returns in because you don't want to mess around with uh, the IRS and Uncle Sam. No matter how much confusion there is out there about what's going on with the IRS, you want to get you don't want to mess with them. Um, just get your taxes in, and uh, hopefully you'll get a refund back. Maybe. But uh, you know, just get your get your taxes in, get your returns in. Uh, it's April fifteenth, and uh, I've been kind of crying about the weather here because New York we had back to back really tough winters. Uh, last winter it was so ridiculously snowy, and this year we had a very very frigid cold winter, the coldest I can remember in a number of years. It was cold, and it was cold all the way up till about a week ago. Uh, but to this week, uh, things just have kind of exploded, and uh, today was uh, like a high 60s, nice and sunny. People are walking around. I see guys out there with their tank tops on, showing off their guns, and I don't mean machine guns. I mean their arms, and uh, it's just a beautiful day. I took my little son to the park early this morning, and uh, we went on the swing and some other stuff, and uh, really nice, and it's nice after that long winter to really just unwind now. And the way I always look at it is, you know, we have like in New York and the Northeast, I don't, let me speak for the metro area because I don't know how it is in Boston or further north, but you know, you get about six to seven good months and you got four to five bad months of weather and it begins like right now. So April 15th, we're good through October 15th for sure. You might get a bonus month through November 15th, but you never know. But uh, so that's kind of how our climate is, you know, California, which I love dearly, you know, they, they pretty much are in the, if you're in LA, it's kind of the seventies kind of all the time. And you get a little bit of rain in February and March, and it gets a little cool there at night, but uh, basically it's pretty steady there where we get the four seasons. And I got to tell you, the older I get, the less in fact, the less infatuated I am with four seasons. So <laughs> Yeah, I like it when it starts April 15th forward is great, but you can, uh, unless you're, uh, you know, you're into winter sports, uh, and I'm really not anymore. I don't ski anymore. Uh, I loved it when I did ski, but um, kind of gave it up um, for various reasons. And uh, so I don't really have a lot of use for uh, for the winter, but uh, it's part of my lifestyle here. So, uh, and we deal with it and New Yorkers deal with a lot of stuff and, uh, that's that's kind of how we roll here. So when you choose New York, that's what you get. Uh, it's been five months since my surgery. I had uh, 
two robotic surgeries on my kidneys, which was uh, just a, what I would call a diagnosis of opportunity, kind of sporadic. I had a kidney stone, which I knew nothing about. And uh, so I went in and they found a growth on each kidney. And they told me like, hey, man, uh, we should take those out. And so I went in for two separate robotic surgeries, which is kind of new techno techno surgery. And uh, they both work perfectly. And, uh, you know, it's no walk in a park. And it's taken me, I listened to my body. I, I was in fantastic shape when I went in. And it was interesting because I was training last year. And I've run three marathons, and I was getting ready for a half marathon. And all of a sudden, I kind of ran into this kidney stone. And I, when I found out I had to have the robotic surgeries, I decided, uh, you know, I had to kind of stop running for a while. So I did. And I went through, I learned that, you know, I was in shape to take care of myself. So that was good. So I really came through the surgery very well. And my healing's been fantastic. And I've been meditating every day since last July, since I had my diagnosis. And it's really helped me uh, every step of the way. And I highly, highly, highly recommend adding the aspect of meditation to your daily routine. Um, what else is going on? Uh, real quick, you know, we're in the sports world here in New York, and we've got Yankees and Mets kind of getting their act together. We've got the uh, May 2nd coming up is a big Guys Guy Sports Day, if you're into sports. And, you know, as a guy's guy, it's not about sports. It's not about being a man's man. A guy's guy is really kind of an updated version of the, you know, the historic, if you will, the 60s version of the man's man, but more casual, much more... Uh, much more um, positive about women. And our kind of sayings are, you know, when men and women can be at their best, everybody wins. And that's what a guy's guy is all about. And you don't have to be a guy to be a guy's guy. You can be a woman because when men and, men and women are at their best, everyone wins. You don't have to be straight. You can be gay. It's like when everybody's at their best, everybody wins. And it's really important that people know that because I've had people say to me, oh, man's man, guy's guy, you know, isn't that macho or whatever? And I'm like, no, it's not really about that. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about, uh, it's just being about a good guy and it's being about celebrating and recognizing the long overdue recognition of women. And for for a guy's guy, it's never been a better time to be a man because, uh, you know, when women, as as they ascend, and get recognition for that, it's good for everybody. And uh, so that's what the whole Guy's Guy movement, if you will, is about. It all started with my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. I uh, implore you to check it out. Uh, the best way to find it, just go to Amazon. You can check out the reviews. You probably get the best deal there. You can find it in some bookstores, but uh, you can get the physical copy or digital copy uh, online for, the, for good prices. And... Um, my website where I post a weekly blog plus a bunch of videos and lots of other updates. Um, and there's 240 blog posts on there now. Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I.com. Facebook, Robert Manny Author. Twitter, at Robert Manny. YouTube, Robert Manny Author. And every episode, every podcast of Guys Guys Radio is on both Blog Talk Radio, where I am a featured host, as well as iTunes. So uh, you can find me and uh, our content everywhere all about Guys Guys. So uh, as I was mentioning, May 2nd is a big sports day for Guys Guys. And we've got the NFL Draft on May 2nd. We've got the Kentucky Derby on May 2nd. We've got the Manny Pacquiao-Floyd Mayweather fight on May 2nd. So it's going to be a huge sports day. They're doing some uh, publicity. This Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, I find it fascinating because it's kind of five years in the making. Uh, to get these guys together in the ring for uh, various reasons. I actually think, I don't think Floyd Mayweather wanted the fight, but he's got it now, and um, we'll see what happens. He had an open media day yesterday. He looked like he was in great shape. He looked sharp and crisp, and uh, Pacquiao has got a live streaming going on right now, and uh, Pacquiao was really after this fight. And you know, interesting, he's he's smaller than Mayweather, Mayweather, and But for some reason, Mayweather wanted no part of him. Maybe it's because Pacquiao is kind of a unpredictable fighter. Maybe it's because he's a lefty. Maybe it's because he's got lightning and uh, thunder 
in his fist because he hit, he hits hard and he's really fast. That said, Mayweather's never lost in Pacquiao's been uh, he was knocked out as uh, recently as two years ago. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a great fight. They're charging like between ninety and a hundred bucks. I think a hundred bucks for the uh, closed circuit um, pay per view HD, and uh, that's a that's a record. And these two guys are going to make a ton of money. But it's an interesting matchup matchup because neither guy has fought a guy like the other guy. For Pacquiao, he's never fought a defensive genius like Mayweather, and for Mayweather, he's never fought somebody so fast and awkward. Uh, to fight as Pacquiao, and I don't think he wanted any part of him, but there was really no place else to go if he wanted to have that, uh, you know, that legacy. So it's, uh, we'll see if he steps up for that, and we'll see if uh, Pacquiao seems supremely confident. We'll see if he can uh, hunt him down and uh, just uh, win by volume. And uh, I think it's going to be a great fight. I am picking Pacquiao by decision. I think he's going to be busier. I think he's going to drop Mayweather at some point. I think Mayweather is going to show a lot of metal that we haven't expected. I think he, he also will initially, you know, fight the usual Mayweather fight where he kind of very defensively uses his forearms a lot, tries to stay out of trouble, but he's going to be forced to engage. And I think when he does, he's going to, uh, I think he's going to do pretty good. But I think uh, Pacquiao will pull the upset. Well, we'll see what happens. Let's talk about meditation. As I was saying, I had surgery five uh, months ago, and I've been meditating ever since. But I meditated before that, and I've learned along the way uh, that you know there's a lot of different ways to meditate. Right now, I'm using something called ColorWorks, where I'm reducing. Uh, I have a little bit of stretch fascia on my right side from one of my robotic surgeries, and I'm using uh, visualizing a color to reduce the swelling. What's left of it? on my right side by 98%. And it, I can really feel it while I'm doing the meditation. And I'm also working with uh, somebody who helped me with a uh, frequency download, and that's really helped also. So uh, I truly believe in meditation, and I believe, like our guest, Dean Spider, that there's lots of ways to do it. There's not all one way. And I think for everybody in our society who's uh, kind of hung up by the fact that well, I don't have time or is it's not for me and I can't quiet the monkey chatter... Well, it only takes uh, a few minutes of quietude a day, and there's lots of different ways of doing it. And I, Dean's going to come out and uh, tell us about that in a moment. Let's talk about Dean a little bit. Uh, Dean Slider has taught natural meditation throughout the U.S. since 1970. He's the author of several books and audio programs, Cinema Nirvana, uh, The Zen Commandments, and he's led retreats and workshops at the Chappaqua Institution, Garrison Institute, New York Open Center. Tibet House, Bar Center for Buddhist Studies, and has spoken at colleges all over the country. He blogs for Huffington Post. In fact, I just read one of his blogs today about um, John Goodman, the actor, and it was really excellent. So check him out there. Uh, he's been all over the place, media appearances, everything from Oprah and Friends Radio, National Public Radio, the Lisa Oz Show, and he's married to a documentary filmmaker, Yafa Larea and is on the faculty of the West Coast Writers Conferences. So, uh, again, the name of the book is Natural Meditation, A Guide to Effortless Meditation, uh, Effortless Meditative Practice, and let's bring him on right now. Robert. Hello, Hello Robert. Hello, Dean. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for being our guest this evening. I'm really uh, excited that you're here with us, and... Uh, and to share uh, your knowledge about meditation with our audience, um, let's let's if we if it's okay with you, uh, let's start at the beginning. Just tell everybody kind of how you kind of got on the path you're on right now. Well, as a kid, you know, I asked a lot of the deep questions about life that I think a lot of alert kids ask. And that then uh, most people sort of forget about somewhere around kindergarten or the first grade where you, you start bearing down on learning the alphabet and, and lining up for recess. I kept asking those questions, and I wasn't finding satisfactory answers in the, the standard places. And so I started looking into uh, meditation. I started uh, you mentioned uh, at the outset uh, that I was a Zen practitioner. I was a Zen practitioner for about uh, 
I don't think a week, actually, because Mm -hmm. what I found was that the Zen teachers would require me to sit still like a stone Buddha. And some mm-hmm. people can do that. I couldn't do that. I'm a fidgety guy. That's that's my the, the way I'm wired, the way I'm strung. I'm more a, a regular person. Uh, and they required that you keep your mind still like a, a stone mind. I couldn't do that either. And so that kind of got me on a quest to find uh, whether there were ways to meditate, to to tap into that deep place, that deep place of of silence within us that, you know, regular people like me could do. Uh, You could say guys, guys could do. And uh, Mm -hmm. I eventually found teachers uh, in several different authentic traditions, Tibetan tradition, uh, in ancient Indian traditions, such as Advaita Vedanta, who was telling me that basically my intuition was correct, that it could be done that way. Do you, uh, in your practice, your brief time with Zen, did you get into cones at all? Um, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get near graduating to working with with koans. Now, I've taught uh, actually for years. I taught at a very uh, fine prep school in New Jersey called the Pingree School, and I taught a course called Literature of Enlightenment, and we read. One of the books that we read was on Zen, and we discussed koans, you know, day in and day out. You know, it is a fascinating area. Okay, that was my question. I want to get it out of the way early mm. because uh, you had mentioned that, and my wife, uh, his, she's, uh, she teaches Hatha yoga teachers, and she's uh-huh. been on a lot of retreats and stuff. And she said, "Oh, koans," and she pulled out a book uh, called "Awakening to Zen." the teachings of Rashi Philip Kaplow and mentioned some yes. other guy, uh, D.T. Suzuki. She said, oh, please yes. ask Dean about this, about Cohen's. And I'm like, right. what's a Cohen? <laughs> right, and right. Because I read well, your book co- and I'm co- like, I didn't see uh, Cohen in there. <laughs> okay. I actually do talk a little bit about Cohen's, I think, in one of my other books. Uh, but a Cohen is, is essentially a riddle that has no answer. The most right. famous one is uh, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Now, mm-hmm. there is obviously no answer to that question or that riddle on the logical uh, level. You know, logically, wait a minute, uh, 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 one hand can't clap, one hand can't make a sound. So what happened, the way that koan practice works is you sit with, your teacher, you might go on retreat and say, okay, you meditate on the sound of one hand clap. And once a day or twice a day, you break from your meditation, you have a little you know, brief interview with the teacher, and he says, okay, what did you come up with? And you might say something like, well, it doesn't make any sound. I said, no, 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 no. What is the sound of one hand clapping? No good, grasshopper. You go back. <laughs> and uh, what happens is basically you keep knocking your head against that thing until you're your head breaks open, uh, we, we could say. In other words, the koan is a vehicle. As, as you said in the introduction, there are many ways to meditate, and I call them vehicles. For instance, a lot of people are familiar with uh, mantra meditation, using a mantra such as om or ah or hum or, or certain other very smooth, soothing, mellifluous sounds that facilitate the nervous system settling down into that deep state of silence. So that's another vehicle. Uh, one very popular form of meditation that I, from Tibet that I practiced with my Tibetan teachers is called sky gazing, where you meditate with your eyes wide mm-hmm. open and just allow your attention to sort of melt into the open sky. Now, the point that I make in the book, and the reason that I call the book Natural Meditation, is that... All the vehicles are fine. Which vehicle you use is not crucial. What is crucial is how you drive the vehicle. And if you're driving the vehicle like you're a character in Fast and Furious trying to, you know, knock all the pedestrians out of your way and you use the mantra or the koan or whatever to, like, plow through the thoughts and suppress all the thoughts, it's going to be a long, long, bumpy ride. But if you use it effortlessly, if you drive it with just the lightest, lightest touch of your hand on the steering wheel, 
and let the mantra be there for a while, the koan, the sight of the open sky, whatever it is. Let it and then let it do its work because its work is to dissolve. The point of the vehicle, it's like, you know, when you drive to the Grand Canyon, the point is then you get out of your car and enjoy the view. So if by not hanging on to the vehicle, whatever it is, by not hammering away at it, but just lightly entertaining it, just barely having it there, you melt into that inner silence, which is always there, always waiting for you. Well, that's a great uh, segue into uh, kind of what, your you know your your perspective on meditation and kind of how you get there because I, I I think you would agree that so many people would like to meditate but they just don't know how or they think they don't know how and they right. don't put in what could be a very short period of time and and a lot of different ways there are a lot of different ways into meditation and that's what I really right. love about your book because it's so accessible where you don't have to necessarily, like I've never used a mantra to meditate, and I know my wife uses a mantra, and she's taken me through some mm-hmm. uh, yoga breathing exercises where you do use specific sounds and all that, but I've never found that necessary for myself as a uh, right. as a, uh, uh, as a master hypnotist, um, right. advanced clinical hypnotist. I just do my, you know, three common and relaxed, two common and relaxed, one common and relaxed, common and relaxed, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty much there but you know that takes time it was so fun when i was being trained in hypnosis that it was so easy for the students in the class to hypnotize each other because we loved it and uh, we were all open it was like three two one you're out love 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 is the key (laughs) joy is the key It, it it really is some if you if you try to do the thing because even though you hate it but somehow you become convinced that it's good for you somewhere down the line it's going to make things better that's not going to work. You know, as the great guru uh, uh, Sly and the family Stone said, different strokes yeah. for different folks. Absolutely. And I think that's a fantastic perspective for for everyone and also for, you know, today's to- modern times and for, you know, all the guys, guys and gals that are out there who, you know, they're busy and uh, they're in their conscious, you know, state most times. And it's very easy uh, to to get into meditation, I think you you've made it so accessible for so many people. So thanks for that. So let's get more into that. You talk about uh, allowing uh, versus trying. So could you talk right. a little bit more about that? So so our listeners understand that it, it's not meditation doesn't have to be hard work, if you will. Exactly. You know what happens is people work hard at it, and then surprise, it's hard work. Uh, you know that line in in um, A League of Their Own where Tom Hanks says, there's no crying in baseball. So I've got written on the back of my book, there's no trying in meditation. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I had a dollar, as the saying goes, I wish I had a dollar for every person who said to me, oh, I tried to meditate, but it was hard. Now I want you to listen carefully to, to that sentence. I tried to meditate, but it was hard. That's not really accurate. It would be more accurate to say, I tried to meditate, and therefore it was hard. So what I Mm -hmm. do is I show people, and and as you mentioned in the opening, I've been doing this. I've been teaching this stuff for over 40 years, and I've taught it all over the country, and I've worked with a lot of squirmy, hormone-crazed high school (laughs) students, I've worked with prisoners in maximum security. Um, In fact, I just flew out. I'm in New Jersey right now, and tomorrow night I'll be seeing my guys, a group in Northern State Prison, the roughest prison in New Jersey. I've been working with them since 2005. I'll see them tomorrow night. And they can all do it. And, And, you know, it's been a very fortunate situation for me to work with so many different kinds of people and find that if I just gently guide them, in this way of effortlessness, they can all get it. And the nice thing now that the, the new book has been out for a few weeks, I've started to get emails. I now, now get you know, at least one email almost every day from someone saying, I tried to meditate for years, and finally I, I, I got your book. I've been doing this for two weeks now, trying it your way, and, and it's finally a pleasure. It's finally something I look forward to. And it's 
that's fantastic. And as part of that, you mentioned, uh, you know, one of the hurdles for some people is they, they, they don't think they're the type to meditate. But it's really, you know, there's no type for meditation. It's just kind of your, you know, your attitude. Yeah, and you know what? Not even attitude. Not it's it's even it's even less than that. You know that that business of I'm not the type that used to be easier to get away with back when I first started doing this. You know, in the late '60s, early '70s, when people thought, oh, the the meditation type was some you know hippie weirdo, some you know some guy with shaved head and beads or something. Uh, but now, when the Seattle Seahawks practice meditation, when Martin Scorsese practices meditation, when Russell Simmons practices meditation, you, you can't write it off in that way anymore. I loved your uh, Huff Post. Uh, blog about uh, be, kind of being and filling space, and you were talking about John Goodman, and he plays this interesting uh-huh. role of a kind of a manager. In the, and I just saw uh, Inside Lewin Davis, and I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, this is a depressing movie in many ways. But it yes. was very, uh, <laughs> you know, I was like rooting for the guy, and like, no, sorry, he's not going to win. But um, it was very well acted, and it was well, it was put together, and you know, John. John Goodman, he kind of gobbles up the scenery, and the way you know you described how you uh, went to a Q and A with him, and he talked about his uh, kind of being in acting as uh, filling space, and that yes. sounds like it's kind of a version of uh, meditate using your inner silence to create a larger exterior, if you will. Could you elaborate on that a little bit, Dean? Yeah, you know, first of all. Um, I moved out uh, in 2010 when I, I moved to California. I, I live in Santa Monica now under in a little cottage under some beautiful palm trees. So I'm living in that place where it's 73 degrees all the time. Uh, and, being mar- and, and living there and being married to a filmmaker, uh, I do get to go to a lot of screenings where we have Q&A with actors and directors and, and so forth. Uh, so, and I've just admired John Goodman's work for so many years, and I have Perfect. seen him in Waiting for Godot on Broadway several years earlier, and it was just extraordinary. It really felt as if somehow he, up there on the stage, had become the, the hub of the whole universe. I couldn't look at anything else. It was as if everything was revolving around him, and I thought at the time... This must have been the power that, you know, Jesus had and that Buddha had and that Hitler had, you know, for in, in that case using it in a twisted way. But that, that you know, just incredible, Present. I mean, some, you know, maybe you could call it charisma. And I asked him about it. And what was really nice was, you know, a lot of people, they all ask him, well, what's your favorite line from uh, um, the big Lebowski and so Lebowski. forth. When right. I... When, when I asked him that question, his eyes, and, and I, what I asked him was, do you know what I'm talking about? And if so, how do you do that? Where does that come from? And when I asked him that question, his eyes just lit up. It, it was nice. Yep. He was so happy to hear, to see someone else recognizing that. And what he did was he, he credited his teachers, the way that he was trained uh, in, in acting school to listen to others, to fill the space to, and filling space, as you say, it's very, that's very close to a definition of, of meditation. I would say inhabiting the space, not having to have our attention on this phenomenon happening, this wave, this wave, this wave, but settling into the silent ocean that underlies all the waves of phenomena. Got it. Okay, this is Guys Guys Radio. Our special guest is Dean Slider. His book is Natural Meditation. Um, Dean, you also uh, talk about uh, hard and soft methods for meditation. Could you explain that to our audience? Yes. I would say that most of the things that people do in the name of meditation, most uh, styles of meditation, we could classify as hard or soft. The hard styles are the ones that are about concentrate, focus, try hard, Keep your mind on one thing. Push out the thoughts. Don't. Uh, and and those hard styles. That's like 
bad tasting medicine, bitter medicine. You hold your nose, you gulp it down, and you hope that somewhere down the road it's going to be worth worth it, and you're you're going to feel better. The soft styles of meditation are like new agey, touchy feely, feel good. Now we put on the tinkling chimes. Now we you know visualize that we're sticking our toes in the surf in on Maui, something like that. And it can be very pleasant and very lovely. That's like uh, syrupy medicine, sweet medicine, but it doesn't do much for you. You know, it just kind of creates a a kind of a fluffy mood. Now, if we Mm -hmm. take away the hard and we take away the soft, what's left? And what's left, there's not much left. What's left is what I call just being. Not doing, not trying, not straining as you do in the hard styles, not creating some, you know, fluffy mood as you do in the soft styles, just being. And as I was saying earlier, you can start with it, use some kind of vehicle initially to help settle down into that that effortless just being, whether it's a sound or the open sky or or a single breath, or resting your attention on the heart center. But then as you settle into this just being, you let the, the vehicle go. You just are. Mm-hmm. Excellent answer. Thank you. Um, we also, you know, it's interesting. There's different times of day. There's different conditions, and everybody thinks that they have to be in some quiet place with uh, no noise, no outside distractions. And, you know, of course, of course that helps, but... You know, we live in a conscious world and everybody's on the go all the time, especially on the East Coast and in cities like L.A. Um, and I find uh, because of that, I the first thing I do when I get up, I do some type of meditation depending on what time of year it is or what's my current issue, whatever. Uh, and then the last thing I do when I get in bed, I kind of let go and I put all my issues kind of in an imaginary balloon and let them kind of float off. And I just give it all away, and then I fall into sleep and ask, uh, you know, if I can get some answers while I'm while I'm sleeping. Well, everybody has their. It took me a while to get there, but it didn't have to. Mm-hmm. It just took me a while to learn on my own. But for for lots of people, I think that they'd have a question about what is the importance or not non-importance of uh, solitude and and silence when you're learning meditation. Well, as I said, I've taught this stuff in the maximum security prison for years and years. And uh, when I visit my guys there, um, we meet in a chapel, which is really just this cinder block bunker. And right above our heads, there's this giant speaker. And we'll be sitting there in meditation. And in the course of one meditation, maybe five or six times over the speaker comes a voice, bone-rattlingly loud, attention all areas, attention all units, Officer Rodriguez to the telephone or you know, whatever, and my guys just sit there. They're they're not phased. You, my guys, they're masters of meditation. And what's great is they don't have the luxury to say. You know, when I teach in the suburbs, people will say, "Oh, gee, the meditation was going so nicely, and then that bus came by." Uh, I was actually I, I was I was a guest teacher a couple of weeks ago at a place uh, on Wilshire Boulevard in L.A., which is a very busy thoroughfare, mm-hmm. and there's lots yeah. of traffic noise right outside the window, and so they've got this like new agey ambient music being pumped in all the time to uh, cover up the sound of the traffic, and which they leave on during the meditation. When I came in to guest teach, the first thing I asked them was, "Could you turn that music off, please?" I want the traffic noise to be there. I want people mm-hmm. to experience that it doesn't matter, that this, the, the sounds, the thoughts, all of that, those are like waves on the surface of the ocean. You don't have to flatten out all the waves with a big iron. Just allow yourself to settle down about three inches under the surface of the ocean. And even though the waves are still going on at the surface, three inches below, it's silent. As as part of that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people also, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the the whole, you know, monkey chatter, I I think a lot of people struggle with kind of quieting their mind, and maybe because they're trying too hard. What would be your advice and your guidance to to people who are are very interested uh, to get involved in meditation, but they just can't, 
internally shut up, if you will. Yeah. And it's the, and, and the thing is, it's the wrong question. How do I internally shut up is the wrong question. You know, I've had so many people come up to me and say, oh, I can't meditate because my I can't stop my monkey mind from jumping around. When I wrote this book, uh, as you may have noticed, I've got a whole chapter there called The Myth of Monkey Mind. Yes. The myth of That's monkey mind. I, I couldn't wait. Yep. I couldn't wait to write that chapter. I was rubbing my hands together on that one. Um, it's it's uh, well. The short version is this: people think the mind is like a monkey that is just aimlessly jumping from branch to branch. Is like a curious George, only without the lovable part. Just this naughty, naughty beast, and you've got to go out with a big net and a chain and and just force him, hold him down. That's not the situation. If the mind is like a monkey, let me just grant for a moment that the mind is like the monkey. Okay, that monkey is not swinging around aimlessly. He's looking for something. If you just gently nudge him in the direction of a banana, he's going to settle right down with it. Our minds are moving around all the time because they are looking for happiness. They're looking for fulfillment. And we keep finding things that give us finite amounts of happiness and fulfillment, but our minds have a capacity for infinite happiness and fulfillment. That's one of the things that makes us different from animals and rocks. So everything that you do in every moment, when you go to the ice cream store and you're, you're looking up at the, you know, the Ben and Jerry's menu, trying to decide what to order, what you want is infinite happiness. But it ain't on the menu, so you get Cherry Garcia instead. And that pretty much is the story of our lives. Now, all you have to do is because the mind is constantly being attracted, being pulled toward infinite happiness, you, you just gently get the mind turned within as I you know, give these different methods in the book, these different vehicles, and then it's like gravity takes over. Okay. Excellent. Um, let's talk, because you talk about breath, senses, Sky, heart center, a lot of a lot of different ways of meditating. Um, let's talk about the heart center a little bit. And uh, I've always found that for me, that's been the, the my most recent thing. I'm kind of weaving into my own personal program, but I've found it's the most powerful. And mm -hmm. once you get that feeling that that's happening, kind of everything kind of blossoms. I mean, my crown has opened, and things like that have happened. But the heart center is really a 360 experience. Mm. Could you, uh, for the uh, uninitiated, talk a little bit about that and, uh, you know, some of the benefits of, of working from a heart-centered standpoint and a heart-centered uh, meditation? Right. So in heart-centered meditation, as, as I describe it in the book, the, the vehicle that we use there is, is closing the eyes and allowing the attention to rest and that's the key in all of these. It's not focusing. It's not concentrating. It's just gently resting the attention, whether it's on the breath, the sky, whatever. So in this case, gently resting the attention in that spot deep, deep inside the chest, that spot behind the heart, behind the, you know, the physical heart, the blood pump. Um, there's some reason why in all cultures, you know, we give Valentine's on, on Valentine's Day you know, we, we, we symbolize love with that. By the way, you notice that those hearts that we draw on Valentine's Day don't look anything like the physical heart. They don't look anything like the blood pump. Um, exactly. I think there's some intuition that we have, like a, a human race, this kind of archetypal understanding, intuition, that there is something in that area other than the blood pump, something that is the seat of feeling, and you know, neuroscientists are starting to see. They, they some of them refer to the heart area as a second brain. There's some I forget how many millions of neurons there, and it turns out that that uh, memory and learning and feelings can actually be formed uh, there and and issue forth from there without going through the the the, the brain and the head. So it does seem to be a profound place, a profound way to uh, to practice for some people. And what I really like most about what you just said, Robert, was that you explored around and found that for you, 
that's something that works very well. And that's something I really do encourage people, you know, try this one on, try this vehicle, give this one a test drive around the block and see which one really feels comfortable for you. The main thing always being the way we drive the vehicle naturally, effortlessly is the most important. That's a great point. Um, let's stick with the heart for, for another moment. And, uh, and there's a segue into what you just mentioned there, Dean, but uh, you, you say, and I totally agree with you, that um, meditation can be really helpful for relationships, whether you have a relationship issue or just for, you know, uh, you know, blossoming your relationships. Could you talk about that right. a little bit? Oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, when I, when I found out, when I got the email I was going to be on Guys Die Radio, I thought, okay, um, you know, maybe some people listening to this will be guys who are interested in having good relationships with women, you know. And so what I did was I, I did a little can only survey. <laughs> I, asked, I, I, asked, I asked a few women, starting with my wife, and then second was the, 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 the lovely woman who cuts my hair, and a couple others, and I asked them, what attracts you in a man? What attracts you in a man? And pretty much I had a consensus. Everyone pretty much, after they thought about it a little, they mentioned three things. First was kindness. Second was sense of humor, including sense of humor about oneself, not taking yourself too seriously. And the third was self-confidence. And not that kind of, you know, macho, arrogant, blustery, self so-called self-confidence, which is not right. self-confidence at all. That's actually trying uh, an attempt to cover up lack of self-confidence. The thing is, you can't fake any of those things. The three things that you need to attract women, to be attractive to women uh, and have good relations with them, you can't fake. Now, all of those things, as it happens, develop naturally through meditation. And there have been uh, studies, uh, psychological studies, showing how sense of humor develops, the sense of compassion or kindness develops. And I thought about what the women said, and I, and I kind of I made sort of a Venn diagram out of it. And I, maybe this will go in my next book. <laughs> I, what, what I realized was, what happens if you have two out of three of those? Like, if you have the kindness and the sense of humor but not the self-confidence then you're just you come off as just you're you're a loser okay if you have the um the let me see <laughs> if you have the kindness and the self-confidence but not the sense of humor then you're a bore and if you mm -hmm. have the sense of humor and the self-confidence but not the kindness then you're I don't think I can say this on the radio. It starts with an A. Let's just say you're a jerk. <laughs> then you're then you're then you're a jerk. So so you need the trifecta. You need all three, and and you can't fake them, but you can blossom into those naturally. Okay, uh, you've been fantastic. Tell, tell us um, what is the best tip for somebody who, besides buying your book. But what, how can they get started with meditation? What's the best way, the simplest way to like, you know, it's interesting. I just want to segue for a second. I have a buddy of mine and he, you know, he sees kind of, we both have been corporate guys for many, many years. And I've kind of gone on a different path now and he sees where I'm going. And he said, you know, how do you do this with your diet? And how do you do this? And how do you do that? And uh, he's got diabetes, you know, adult diabetes. And, you know, I see him, I'm out with him. He's drinking beer and eating hamburgers. And I'm like, well, you know, you might want to consider different choices and then you know, hit them up with a very high-end Thai yoga massage person because he's tired and he's stressed out. And, you know, a lot of people just, you know, you give them the information, but you can't, you know, you don't want to force, you're not going to force people. And, you know, people have to discover stuff on their own. And uh, I just use this example because it's a wonderful person who's a good friend of mine. And there's so many people like that who... Um, they're well-intended, but they it's that first step that's the most right. difficult. What would be right. your recommendation, Dean, as the first step for somebody who, like, I want to meditate, I don't know if I'm the right type, I don't have the time, wh right. whatever their excuses are, what's the one thing that they can do that maybe gets them in the zone? Right. Okay. I would I would say two things. The first thing is, at first, 
forget about sitting down and sitting on a cushion or even a chair. Look at your actual life as you're actually living it and find little moments where you can, um, you know, like when you were a kid and you would catch a frog or a turtle and you put it in a shoebox and be so happy and you come home from school and you open it and it's dead because it couldn't breathe. (laughs) And and eventually you learn, oh, you have to take a pencil and, and punch some holes in the lid so the thing can breathe. So you look for those moments in your day where you can allow the life, your life to breathe, your own life to breathe. For example, you're sitting at a red light. You're in a hurry. You're trying to will that red light to turn green faster. <laughs> okay, right? You laugh because it's funny because it's true, right? Yeah. We've all done that. We've all done From that. Jersey, now, here's yeah. the th- and here is my personal guarantee to you and to all your listeners for the rest of your life, no matter how hard you will, you try to will that red light to turn green faster, you will never make it turn green even one second faster. Mm -hmm. Now, if you really, really hear what I'm saying, just get that very deeply. There's tremendous liberative power right there. So instead of sitting there trying to, you know, butting your head against the wall, as it were, you can sit back, relax your your death grip on the steering wheel, breathe out, and just be. There's nothing else you can do till the light turns green anyway, except make, well, there's two things. You have the choice, make yourself more miserable or just be. And right there, that's a little taste of meditation. And then the second thing I would say, if you want to look into it a little deeper, okay, gee, that tastes good. How do I get more of this? Um, If you go to my website, go to naturalmeditationbook.com, and the first thing you'll see there, I've got a two-minute cartoon that distills the whole thing down to two. Fantastic. Yeah, isn't isn't, Mm it? And you know what's? It's funny because people people have told me I didn't expect this when I produced that cartoon. Some people tell me just watching that cartoon, I felt I was going into a meditative state. Mm -hmm. Well, you've got a fantastic voice also. I know you do voiceovers. So, uh, yes, congratulations. Um, I love the fact that you're a Jersey guy and you went to Santa Monica. (laughs) My wife and I are talking about that, uh, with the work that I'm doing, like we should go out there and, uh, I got something else that would, could send me out there. And I'm like, well, what do we want? Bad weather or water, because like I, you know, I keep. I guess it's a, it's an, it's, and I have a lot of friends out there, and that's an issue now. So you never know what's right. going on. But um, right, tell right. us about tell. First of all, you're fantastic, Dean. I love the book, and I love the work you're doing, and uh, it's great getting to know you here. And I hope we can do it again at some point. But could you tell sure. our audience about where they can find more about you and uh, your your books and uh, teachings? Right. Once again, uh, if they go to naturalmeditationbook.com, that'll get them into my website. And after they see the cartoon, uh, there are other pages on the website that have my teaching schedule. They have chapters from all my books. You can read Chapter 1 of Natural Meditation right there on the website for free. Um, you've got videos. There's one from, I wrote a book once on enlightenment lessons from the movies. And there's a video where I talk for half an hour about all the, all the meditative lessons in Jaws. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and, and also right now I am doing a lot of touring. I'm go, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm touring the country with the new book, doing a lot of workshops. So check that. I may be coming to a town near you. I'm, in over the next couple of months, I'm going to be in Santa Fe, Chicago, Kansas City, Chattanooga, Mountain View, California. Uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm leaving out a few, and, and we're adding more all the time. Uh, and uh, so, you know, come to one of my talks or one of my retreats. And if I don't have one coming up in your town, you know, get in touch and help us set one up. Fantastic. Well, Dean, thank you so much for being a guest on Guys Guys Radio. You had a lot of great tips to help all the guys and the gals out there with meditation. Also for guys, the three things that women are looking for, which I think <laughs> makes perfect sense. You know, kindness, a sense of humor, self-confidence, and a, and a trust fund also helps also. But <laughs> I think when you, when you boil it all down, <laughs> you know, I always learned that uh, women love a guy with a dream but they like them a lot better when the dream has already been realized. But, uh, you know, 
kindness, sense of humor, and self-confidence go a long, long way to uh, to really connecting with women. So thanks so much. I really appreciate you being on the show, as our listeners do, and all the best to you, and I hope we can be in touch and do it again at some point, Dean. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Robert. It's really been a pleasure. You're welcome. Okay, everybody, that's been our show. Um, Dean Slider, Natural Meditation, A Guide to Effortless Meditative Practices, his book. We've got a bunch of great shows coming up. Next week, we've got, we've got Don Oscar Casada who uh, has been with us before, who uh, talks about shamanism. And then we've got Joseph Emet, who has a, t- a book about the teachings of Buddha with some meditations there. Uh, Brenda Michaels is coming up, and she's got a book about cancer. Suzanne Hoshima, a relationship expert. Um, Single with Stilettos is her website. And then Sunita Patani is another uh, metaphysical, if you will, author coming up. So we're booked right into July for Guys Guys Radio, and uh, we're having a blast here. So it's been, we're over 130 podcasts now. Everything is available on uh, iTunes, and uh, it's such a pleasure to be able to talk with people who are doing really great work, like Dean Slider, and I love the fact that he's doing work in uh, some of the prisons and helping guys with the meditation there, and, uh, and it's just my pleasure to be able to help spread the word on behalf of the people who were spreading their word and uh, have such positive messaging for people and helping them in so many different ways. So any way I can be a part of that, uh, I'm very appreciative. So listen, remember, uh, being a guy's guy is uh, means uh, better men, better world. And uh, we have a great show next week. We're really appreciative of you being on this week. And as as you know, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>